Mr. John Labriola. He's the founder of the Catholic Family Foundation, an organization committed to the healing, strengthening, and the advancing of Catholic families. Um, John's a dynamic speaker who passionately communicates the truth of Catholicism in a loving and an accessible manner, without apology, without compromise. John's goal is to help Catholics of all ages deepen their love for the knowledge of the one true church. He has appeared on EWTN television, EWTN radio, Focus Worldwide Network Television, and many other local Catholic radio networks. He is formerly the host of the St. Joseph Radio Presents, a weekly worldwide radio um, of Catholic faith. He has been a guest host for Catholic Answers Live radio program. John is a frequent speaker um, at Paris Missions, Marian conferences, homeschool conferences, um, men and women conferences, and retreat. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. John Labriola. So uh, the title of, of this talk, I believe it was, it was four, um, four simple steps, right, to, to having returning the, the, uh, those who are lost, who have left the church. Well, it's true, and we're, that's what we're going to talk about. The only thing is, I, I heard, and I don't know if this is true, that I heard that you are like the best of the best in terms of the brightest in this area and the most holy and spiritual and, and all that. So we're going to give you ten. I would do four for the beginners, but apparently you're not the beginners, right? Is that true? Yes or no? Come on. Okay. All right. So we're talking about no soul, no soul left behind. Um, and one one comment is, I will, if you are interested in any notes, anything I share, all you have to do is email me, and I'm happy to send you everything that I have. So if you want to take notes, feel free to. But if you can't catch up, if you feel like you're missing something, no worries. Just email me, and I'm happy to um, to get you all my notes. Okay. All right, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer. We ask, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us during this time, during this talk. We ask that the Blessed Mother would be with us, would watch over us, would protect us, would keep us safe and free from any and all um, harm, any and all acts of evil. Uh, also, Lord, our loved ones, that they would be also protected under Mary's mantle while we gather here in your name during this time. And we say all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, well, it's, it's awesome that you're here. It's awesome that you're here. Choose to be here. Freely choose to be here uh, on this Saturday morning. You could be lots of other places. Uh, and you're here. You're here for a reason. You're here because, in some sense, God has called you here. Um, you're here because you have a relationship with him that you want to grow. There's a lot of us that are not here that probably should be here. Um, they certainly could be, but they've chosen not to be. My guess is if you are doing your best to live your faith, you probably have people that you know, people that you love, um, that have left the church. Is that true? Spouses, um, friends, adult children. You know, I've been talking about spiritual warfare for about 20 years, and I would say that that is the most common question that I received over the years is, what do I do about my children who have left the faith? And that's really where this talk came from, is what can we do? There's only so much we can do because remember, there's this thing called free will. But there are some things that we can do. Free will is not, uh, it's not the end all and be all that, you know, that's it, they've chosen. No, God's got this. We just need to work with him and not work against 
them or against him to have this play out. All right? So I'm going to go through 10 steps, 10 simple things you can do. Number one, <clears throat> just a reminder, something to keep in mind for you. Them leaving the church, it is not about you. Get over it. It's not about your ego. Oh my gosh, but you don't understand. I raised them and I worked so hard and I prayed so many words. Get over it. It's not about you. It's about them. It's about them and their relationship with God. Just like God gave you the freedom to choose, he's given them the freedom to choose. And just like my guess is you weren't perfectly in line every step of the way of your life with the faith, give them a little bit of room as well. You know that, that thing about the, the, the worst, um, the worst people are, are the people that have quit whatever behavior they left behind, gambling, smoking, drinking, and they're like the worst of the worst when it comes to telling new people about it. It's the same thing. Like when we kind of stumble and fall and leave the church and then come back, all of a sudden we become holier than now. Got to be really careful about that. This is not about you. And really, it's not even about them. Right now, it's about God's will, God's will in their life. God has permitted this. He has permitted them to be away from the church, away from the faith, for whatever reason. He doesn't want it. He doesn't necessarily like it, but would you agree that he has permitted it? Yes or no? All right, if he's permitted it, then what's your problem? If he's permitted it, he's God. If he's permitted it, what's your problem? That doesn't mean that you say, okay, whatever, just move on. But let's put it in its proper context. God has permitted this for a reason. And from this can and will come a greater good. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. St. Peter of Alcantara says this, you hold nothing at all except sin. All the rest comes from God. What you have then in which to glory but your nothingness and sin. We've got nothing. We've got nothing to glory in except our nothingness and our sin. Contemplate this nothingness that you may see plainly what you are and what he is. Rather than trying to force God to do whatever it might be, in this case, help us to bring somebody back to the faith. Rather than force his hand, why not work with him? Why not acknowledge who he is and his role in this and then go with what he tells us as opposed to, again, battling him? Does that make sense, yes or no? Good, you're alive, you're awake. Number one, this is not about you. It's the first thing. Number two, Know your role. In this, trying to bring back that spouse, that child, that friend, whomever it might be. Know what your role is and what your role is not. Your role is not to convert. Your role is to converse. Have a conversation when it's appropriate. Live your faith freely. Speak that way. But don't do things to try to get them. You know, sometimes people say, well, if you just, you know, leave the book laying around, maybe they'll see. They know what you're doing. <laughs> they do. Be free to be yourself. Yes, pray your rosary. You know, read, read your scriptures. Talk to them about something you heard or saw. But do it because it's natural and you would do it. Don't try to force that issue. 
When we understand what our role properly is, it makes it a lot easier. See, if you understand that I don't, I don't have to convert them, oh my gosh, it frees me to be me. It frees me to do the job that God wants me to do. So if I'm not supposed to convert, who is? Well, that's the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit is the one who converts. We do not convert. From Blessed Ildefonso Schuster, Jesus alone has the power to convert the heart. And that's really what we want to do here, is we want to convert the heart. I would never want a child or a spouse or a friend to come back to the church because I convinced them to come back to the church. Because you know why? It won't last. It's got to be the heart that gets converted. And without getting too political, but keep, keeping it still relevant here, laws, changing laws, are not going to change hearts. We need to change hearts if we want to see different results. And what am I speaking about specifically? The mass tragedies. Now, I'm not here to advocate one position politically we should or shouldn't do something with laws. That's not my, my role at all. But what I would say is if we changed hearts, we wouldn't have the problem on the outside. If that pain that was on the inside were healed, there wouldn't be this manifestation on the outside. And one thing I did not hear from any commentators during the, the aftermath of this shooting or, or any of the shootings, any of the horrible things that have happened, let's, let's, let's understand that at the bottom line of this is there's no respect for life. Whether that person is, is mentally ill or not, there's no respect for life. And that fundamental no respect for life starts with abortion. If you want to end mass shootings, let's end abortion. Is there a direct link there? Absolutely. Is it the only link? No, there's other issues, clearly. But in a culture where we are allowed to kill our children, we wonder why people kill other people. There's no respect for life. Now, I can get about 99% of Catholics to agree with me on that one. But I'd, I'd like to go a little bit further, and I'd like to really annoy you if I can. You don't have to answer. I'm not asking you to. You can fight with me later if you'd like. You know where abortion comes from? Contraception. See, Catholics want to end abortion, but they don't want to end contraception. So, whoop. Let's not go there. It's a bit too far for me. Well, too bad. It's time we did that. All right, this talk is not about that, so let's move on. This is not about you, number one. Number two, know your role. Know what your role is. Number three, God's timing is perfect. God's timing is perfect. And we, we've heard that phrase. You're like, oh, yeah, that's very cute, and, it, you know, his timing is perfect, whatever. But you don't understand. I want this done now. Of course we all want it done now. Hey, would you be okay with your child, your spouse, your friend, gaining entrance to heaven with their last breath? Then again, what's your problem? God's timing is perfect. I don't understand it. I don't know why he doesn't do it now. But he does. Do we trust him? I remember when our family went through a, a crisis. Uh, it's probably about nine or ten years ago now. I mean, and it was a real crisis. It was for a good period of time, a uh, good 12, 14 months. And, you know, you're dialoguing with God. You're having these conversations with God. And he's just not getting it done. I mean, you know, come on. 
I've been praying and praying, and nothing's happening. You ever been there? And I remember having this one conversation. It was really the final conversation, at least in terms of this topic. And the conversation went like this. This is God speaking at first. He says, am I God, yes or no? And my answer was, yes. But, no, 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 no. Just answer the question. Am I God, yes or no? Yes. Fine, I'll answer the question. If I'm God, did you pray to me? Yes or no? Yeah, I prayed to you a lot, and you didn't. No, 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 stop. Just answer the question. Am I God, yes or no? Yes. Did you pray to me? Yes. If I'm God and you prayed, did I hear it? Yeah. Well, if I'm God and you prayed and I heard it, What's your problem? What's your problem? I still don't have an answer to that question. See, he's God. We prayed. He heard. He's choosing to act or not act according to what's best for his glory and the salvation of souls. That's the only reason God acts. God acts for his glory or the salvation of souls. That's it. And so we may not see what the salvation of souls is in this moment. We think it's this one person that's right in front of us that we're praying to heaven. And he's like, you, you don't even, you have no idea. This is not about this one person. That one, that one person's gonna be fine. This is about so much more. I think probably the most constant advice I have gotten from, from mentors, from spiritual mentors, mentors is that simply when I come to them with a problem, they'll say, and it's, it's multiple ones of them, that they don't talk to each other. So I'm thinking the advice might be right. They go, you know, this is not all about you. You ever heard that before in your life? This is not about us. We're one little piece in the puzzle. St. Catherine of Siena said, I'm the broom. Let God take me out of the closet Use me, put me back in the closet. That's a saint, a doctor of the church who has that attitude. Maybe we should have that attitude too. Use me, Lord. Use me to accomplish your will. When our eldest daughter was three weeks and three days old, she went into the hospital. We were told that she would not come out that night. As you can imagine, it was, it was quite, quite traumatizing. She was in there for 18 days. Um, actually, quick little story. Uh, she was, um, when we brought her in, they did, ran all these tests. She had a, a viral, a bacterial, and a fungal infection. She was baptized that morning. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, it was Sunday morning, so there was no, literally no priest available until 1 o'clock or 12 o'clock, whenever, whenever masses kind of broke. Um, so she was baptized in the room with, by me with tears as water. After... They took those same tests, they ran those same tests the next day. Uh, she came back positive for the first set of them. After the baptism, they were all negative. And the doctor said, something's not right here, we need to run the test again. And, and it was just one of those Holy Spirit moments of like, run the test as many times as you want. It's gonna be fine. And she was, she was fine. But the, the point I wanted to share with you was this. This was, of course, before phones, right? Before cell phones, before text messages and Facebook. And so 
if you wanted to start a, uh, a prayer tree, you actually had to get on a phone, an actual phone, put money in the, you know, in the coin thing and, and from the hospital and call somebody. Hey, could you start praying? And it was a big deal. It wasn't like you could send a group text message. You all remember that, right? So I remember calling a couple of people and then they called a couple of people and you know, the message got out. I don't know to how many, uh, you know, 20, 50, I, don't, I really don't know. But I do remember one specifically. We had a party for, uh, for Rebecca a, a couple of months after and um, you know, invited everybody that we knew that was part of this and praying for her and stuff. And a friend of mine, Carlos, came um, and he said, oh my gosh, he goes, I gotta tell you a story. And he said, you know, when you called me, he was one of the people I actually physically called from the hospital. He said, I went around and I called as many people as I could right away. Um, and he said, I called this one guy and he said he sounded like he was startled. And he was like, oh my gosh, I need to pray for this girl. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you so much for calling. Well, he said this guy kept bugging him. Like, how is she doing? How's that girl doing? He said to the point where it was almost annoying. Like he was calling, checking up on her a couple of times a day. Long story short, he finally admitted, he said, when you called me that first time to ask for prayers for that girl, he said, I had a gun to my head. I was about ready to kill myself. So would I ever wish what happened to Rebecca on Rebecca? Absolutely not. But God used it. God used it to literally save a life. We don't know why they're away. We don't know what, ha what has happened. We don't have all the answers. God does. Please, trust in his providence. Trust that he has got this. Your children, your spouse, your friends, they're going to be fine. God loves them more than any of us possibly can. That doesn't mean, by the way, I want to be very clear on this, that some people cannot reject God's love. They can. And some people freely choose. Just not anybody that's related to us or that we love that's in this room today, okay? Is that a good deal? All right, God's timing is perfect. You know, think of it this way. You've been stressing over a snapshot. This is a film. Life's a film. It's not one moment in time. Thank God it's not one moment in time. It's a film, and God knows the ending. It's like if you've ever watched any of the uh, superhero, the Marvel movies, um, they kind of restarted this, but th the movie would end. The trailers would come up, and you think the movie's over, and then you'd leave. And then you'd find out from your friends who stayed that there was an actually an extra two or three minutes of the movie that played out and made, more, made the movie make more sense and actually led you to the next movie. It's the same thing with God. We see the credits rolling. We're like, oh, my God, it's over. No, it's not. Give God every chance. St. Peter Julian Imard says this, Our Lord prefers to wait himself for the sinner for years rather than to keep the sinner waiting for one moment. Isn't that beautiful? He's the father in that prodigal son. He's waiting. He's waiting. All the son had to do is just make that shift, make that turn, and say, I'm going back to my father. And that was it. Salvation was won in that moment. All right, so this is not about you. Number two, know your role. Three, God's timing is perfect. Number four, what God permits, God can redeem. <coughs> Excuse me. What God permits, God can redeem. What God permits, God can redeem. 
Think about this. So what he permits, he can redeem. I'm not saying what he permits, he will redeem, because that's kind of up to us. See, if we hang on to it and refuse to give it to God, it's very hard for him to redeem it. But if we give it over to him, there's a story about St. Jerome, whether it's apocryphal or not, doesn't really matter. Uh, a story about St. Jerome when he finished the scriptures. Now, St. Jerome, by all accounts, was a cranky saint. I don't know if you know that. Uh, he, lived by, he lived by himself in a cave, not because he wanted to, but because his friends were like, dude, you got to go. <laughs> just leave. Just go out in the desert and just, I mean, he was a cranky man. Um, and he, he uh, translated the scriptures into Latin from the original Aramaic and, and the Greek into, uh, into the Latin. And he created the, what's called the Vulgate Bible. The, actually, technically, the, still the official Bible of the church. Anyway, the story goes that Jesus appears to Jerome just as he's uh, finishing up the last stroke. Um, and Jesus says to him, he goes, my son, Jerome, he goes, you know, I'm here. What do you have for me? And he says, oh, Lord, perfect timing. I've got, you know, I've got my life's work. I've spent 20 years in this cave. I don't have any friends. I don't, you know, I, I don't have any, I, I, I'm, this is all I did. I did this for you. Here are the scriptures. And Jesus looks at him and goes, no, I already got those. What else you got? And he's like, look at me. I don't have anything. I've got no shoes. I got this one little tunic. I got, I got nothing, literally. Nothing. He goes, no, 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 you got a lot. You got your anger. You got your frustrations. You got your fears. You got your sins. You got your ugliness. I don't have any of those. Give those to me. Give me that so I can redeem it, so I can bring a greater good out of it. What God permits, he can redeem. So has God permitted this person to leave the church, yes or no? Yeah, and if you say no, by the way, then what you're saying that God isn't God, that something is greater than him. It's not. He's permitted this. Can he redeem it? Yes, he can. There's nothing that's not redeemable. There's no person that's not redeemable. So he can give it to him. Give him the, the ability to do this. St. Peter Chanel says this. I, I think you'll like this one. Their very obstinacy gives me hope that once converted, they will be firm in the practice of their new religion. See, the very thing, their very stubbornness, oh, I'm never coming to become Catholic. I'm never going back to that church. Yeah, you will. And you'll be converting others pretty soon, too. So just chuckle. Just laugh like you're laughing now. It's okay. God's got this. All right, number five. Love them where they're at. Love them where they're at. And now this is not some 60s hippies slogan. Oh, just love them where they're at. It's okay, and they can stay there. No, this isn't tolerance. Tolerance, the way this culture teaches it, is a lie. We should never tolerate someone's sin. We should never tolerate someone's immoral behavior, ever. Love them, absolutely. But let's get back to this. Love them where they're at. Wherever they're at, whatever struggle they had, Maybe they were harmed by somebody in the church. Maybe they made stuff up and just, you know, are trying to look for an excuse to go out and have fun. Whatever it is, I don't know what their reasons are. But we need to love them where they're at. I was speaking at a conference on addiction a little while ago, and these two men from this uh, Catholic group, Chinocolo. Anybody heard of Chinocolo? It's pretty awesome, actually. And, and it's a place for people who have drug addictions and alcohol addictions, and they, and they go and live a very rural, very, it's, there's, I think there's one in this country, but there's, most of them are out of, out back in Europe. But they go, you know, no electricity kind of thing, you know, they, they have meals together, they work the, the, in, uh, in the, they work the land, etc. Well, these two men were, came and were speaking, and they spoke and they talked about their addictions, 
and they talk about how they got through their addictions, <clears throat> and they've survived and they come out on the other end. Well, at the end of the talk, um, people just cheered for them. I mean, they stood up, they gave them a standing ovation, and it, it, was, it was really beautiful to see. They were touched, people were touched by, by what they had to say. And so I remember coming up, I was the next speaker, and it just something just struck me. And I, and I, I, I said, let's give them another round of applause because, I mean, praise God, they, they came through it. And people did, people were cheering and, and you know, clapping and everything. And I said, I have a question for you now. Where were you when they were laying in the street? Where were you when they were homeless? Where were you when they were starving? Where were you when they were shooting up? Were you cheering for them then? Were you trying to help them then? And I don't know, and, and praise God, I know many of you do that. But if we're honest with ourselves, most of us don't. We're happy to cheer when the conversion happens, but we're not loving them where they're at right here, right now. Oh, what a, what a lousy drug user. What a loser. What a bum. Whatever name you want to put on it. There's a, a song, and I, I don't have my phone with me. I was going to, I don't think I do, no. So let me see if I can remember the lyrics by, uh, if I can remember the lyrics by, um, by heart. It, it's, um, there's a um, park downtown where the homeless get ignored. There's a church next door singing, blessed are the poor. The Mercedes drive away muttering, druggies, drunks, and whore. Where the bumper sticker displays, my co-pilot is the Lord. And the first time I ever heard that, it struck me, like, unbelievably. There's a park downtown where the homeless get ignored. There's a church next door singing, blessed are the poor. Have we ever done that? I don't, I want to, you don't have to answer. I've done that. Walking that church, like, what are you doing begging? This is, this is. You know, what are you doing here? Just get out of Mass. Remember, I was in a cathedral in Washington, D.C. Most of my stories center around confession because I <laughs> seem to go all the time because I need to. But I was leaving the confession, and, you know, you feel after confession, you kind of feel clean, and you're, like, excited. You know, you, this weight's been lifted, and you're like, ah, oh, I feel really, really good. So I'm actually a very quiet person. I'm happy just to be left alone in a room with a book, and, you know, I don't, you know, uh, interaction, crowds is not my thing. So anyway, I came out of confession, and I start, the way I walked in, I was walking down the center aisle of the cathedral, and I saw somebody over there out of the corner of the eye. This is during the day, so you know, nobody really there. And I was like, oh gosh, this guy's going to come over to me. And he was a homeless guy. I'm like, oh, what am I, you know. And I, I caught myself, not early enough, but I caught myself, I mean, how hypocritical is this? I just left the seat of mercy, and I received God's mercy and I'm trying to get run past this guy as quick as I can. So, you know, guilt, if nothing else, and, and the fact that the guy was pretty quick coming and running over to me, <laughs> did not let me get past him. So, you know, we had a conversation and he said, you know, it, it, the conversation ended, have you seen Barbara? And I was like, you know, I have no idea who this guy is. I don't live here. And, and I was like, no, I, you know, I haven't seen Barbara because I'm really worried about her. And by the grace of God, I said, you know what? How about we pray for Barbara right now? And he said, yeah, that would be great. So we did. We prayed for Barbara. Um, and then we finished up the conversation. He said, well, you know, he said, brother, anytime you need me, he said, I I'm here. I'm here. 
And then he looked at me, he goes, I love you. And I thought, okay, was that the homeless guy speaking or was that Jesus? Or are they one and the same? Don't ignore and then sing about being blessed are the poor. All right, never um, love them where they're at. Oh, St. Ambrose, who was the bishop of St. Monica and St. Augustine. How cool is that? That their bishop is a saint. Maybe yours will be too. He said this. He gave some great advice to Monica. He said, talk less to Augustine about God and talk more to God about Augustine. Look, they already know your position. Stop hassling them. Stop, but when are you going to go to church? When are you going to go to church? When are you? Never if you keep saying that. Stop talking about it. Stop beating them up. The only reason you're doing that is your ego. It's your pride. God, God, God has got this. Let him get it. Let him see it through. Talk to him about them. Don't be talking to them about him because it's not coming out right. Would you agree? You know what I'm talking about. Number six, having said that, never, ever, 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 ever give up. Never, ever, ever give up. Anyone know who St. Dismas is? Who is he? He's the good thief. Fulton Sheen said about him, he remained a thief his entire life. He stole heaven with his last breath. How cool is that? Look, I don't want my children, my loved ones, my spouse, my friends to, you know, to wait until then, but better then than never. He stole heaven with his last breath. Never, ever, ever give up. I'm sure his Jewish mother was praying for him every single day. And with his last prayer, maybe his first prayer, he got to go to heaven. Don't ever give up. Don't ever, ever, ever give up on them. God's mercy is unfathomable. His ways are truly inscrutable. We can't figure them out. And his timing is impeccable. His timing truly is impeccable. Never, ever give up is number six. Number seven, give your prayers the full measure of the Father. Give your prayers the full measure of the Father. What does that mean? On some level, this person, these adult children, let's say, they have taken their will and placed it against God's will. They've said no to God on some level. We have to be willing to acknowledge that. So the question is, how many of you have been praying for their conversion? I know I have. Praying for their conversion. Okay, stop. Stop praying for their conversion. You're like, what? You're okay until now. The reason why I want you to stop praying for their conversion is because it's never going to work. Because you're saying to God, I want you to overturn their no. I want you to change their no into a yes. I want you to override their free will so that they'll know, finally come back to the church because I know what's best for them. It's not how it works. Stop praying for their conversion. Here's what you can pray for. Pray for them to have a desire for a conversion. Huge difference, miraculous difference. Pray for them to have a desire for a conversion. So what does this mean about the full measure of the Father? <clears throat> desire in Latin means of the Father. 
You want them to be of the Father. You want them to have the desire for the conversion. See, desire works before the free will is engaged. Here's something we don't understand, or maybe we have a hard time understanding. I think it's not something we really can understand. All we can do is assent to it. God has no time. God lives in what's called the eternal now. God has no past. He has no future. He only has a now. Does anyone know why God cannot have a past? Because if he has a past, that means he can... There's a certain word. He can have... Well, perhaps. But really, the word here specifically is... The comment was that he'd have a beginning. He can change. That's why he can't have a past. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because if God can, can change, if God can change, that means that there was something that needed to be changed, which means he's not perfect. So God has, does not have the ability to change because he cannot change because he is. He's not becoming, he is. So he doesn't have a past, he doesn't have a future, he only has the eternal now. So what does that mean? Well, and this gets a little strange, but it's okay. It's all good Catholic theology. You can pray for a happy death for somebody who's already died. What? How does that work? Since God is in the eternal now, he knew, the, he knew those prayers were coming. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. Pray for the happy death of your ancestors. And this isn't just me saying that the church says this, the catechism says this, the saints have said this uh, over the years. We can pray for those souls who have already died. Because in God's eternal now, it's only now. And if you're thinking I'm being weird and thinking that's just too far, let me give you the best example of this, and that would be the crucifix. It is perfectly acceptable to say Jesus is still on that crucifix right now. And he always will be. He always was, by the way. Even though he entered into time 2,000 years ago, he was always on that cross. In the, in the book of Revelation, it talks about John looking back and saying, I see a lamb as if slain from the foundation of the world. He sees Jesus slain. And by the way, what do you think Mass is? It's not a recreation. It's a representing, not a representation. It's a representation of that same one sacrifice. We see Calvary at Mass. The quickest way to, to think of it is, this, is, is like this. Remember in those movies, like especially in the old movies, you'd see a, um, a radar screen with a blip on it, and the hand goes sweeping by, and, and as soon as it sweeps by, you see the blip. Everyone know what I'm talking about? Right? Whether it's a ship or a plane or whatever. And then as the hand sweeps further away, what happens to the blip? It disappears. But is the ship still there? Of course, we're just not seeing it. When the hand sweeps around, when mass happens again, during the consecration, the blip is made visible. And then the blip disappears. The blip is the boat, the ship is still there. Eucharist is still there. Jesus is still there. We just don't see him in that moment. Does that make sense? You're not so sure. Yes? No? Stay with me. Come on. Remember, you're getting all 10 because you're the smart group. So... <clears throat> So again, pray for the desire for conversion. Listen to our Lord speaking to St. Faustina. He says, call upon my mercy on behalf of sinners. I desire their salvation. We know that. When you say this prayer with a contrite heart, 
and with faith on behalf of some sinner, I will give him the grace of conversion. Notice what he doesn't do. He doesn't force conversion on them. He gives them the grace, the free gift of conversion. We've got to pray. We've got to pray the prayers. But it's not at them. It's for them. Give your prayers the full measure of the Father. Number eight, do not go it alone. Do not go it alone. One of the things I try to do, and, and I try to make things as simple as possible, and sometimes I think in the simplicity, because we think it needs to be harder than this, we don't take advantage of the simplicity. So please, on this one, just listen to it, and please take advantage of the simplicity. This is miraculous, and I mean that in the genuine sense of the word. If you want to bring about conversion in the souls of those whom you love, ask our Lord to give you a soul in purgatory that you can pray for right now, who's in purgatory for the same exact reasons as your child or your spouse or your friends, whoever it might be that you're praying for, because they too left the church. And pray for that soul in purgatory. See, when we stop being selfish, I want my child, and we start focusing on somebody else, it opens up our heart in a new way. Besides that, the soul's in purgatory. All they know is love. That's all they know. They don't know anything else. All they want to do is love. All they can do is love. Because they know they will see God. They still need to be purged of any attachment, but they will be seeing God. Do you know a soul in purgatory would rather stay there forever and not have you go to purgatory than to ever have you go? You ever think about that? A soul in purgatory would rather stay in purgatory forever for you than to ever have you go to purgatory. Why? Because all they can do at this point is love. That's who they are. They are with God, albeit not perfectly yet, but they are with God. And they want to share that love with you. That's what they will do, because anything else would be selfish, which they can't, they can't do. All right, so do not go it alone. Ask the souls in purgatory for help. All right, two more. I can see the sidelines moving over there, so i got to get going here quick. Number nine. <clears throat> this is really cool. This is um, a very subtle one. Um, so it's, it's, it's pray for peace, pray for his peace, pray for his peace for them, pray for his peace. Let me explain what I mean very quickly. St. Thomas Aquinas' Aquinas' definition for peace is simply this. Peace is the tranquility of order. To me, that's one of the most beautiful definitions I think I've ever heard. Even in the definition, you feel peace. Recite those words to yourself. The tranquility of order. Like you can't even say it in an unpeaceful way. It's the tranquility of order. That's what peace is. So when you say to your child, spouse, friend, um, I just, you know, Lord, give them your peace. Give them your peace. Give them your peace. What you're really saying is, Lord, give them the tranquility of order. Dante says this, this will tie it together. 
Dante says, in his will, our peace. True? If we were in God's will perfectly, would we be at peace? Yes or no? Absolutely. Like those souls in purgatory, like the saints in heaven. In his will, our peace. So if you want to be sneaky about bringing them back to the church, this is the one you pray. Lord, give them your peace. Because nobody's, nobody's offended by having you pray for them for peace. You can even tell them this one. So I want to let you know I'm praying for God's peace for you. Okay, whatever. It worked. That's all you have to do. Pray for God's peace. In his will, our peace. Peace is that tranquility of order. We want there to be order, to be structure, for them to be back in God's will, God's perfect will. Uh, again, from Aquinas, he says this, the apostles' peace with themselves was disturbed because they were depressed and hesitant in their faith. Sounds like some of our loved ones. And then he goes on to say, let us pray a great deal for them. Excuse me, I was reading the wrong one there. Let me read that all over again. The apostles' peace with themselves was disturbed because they were depressed and hesitant in their faith. And then he says, and Jesus offered his peace to cure them. Jesus' peace will cure the disturbances in our heart. Lastly, this is a Marian conference, and lest we forget our mother. Remember the mother's love. Always remember the mother's love. Remember the mother's love. At the end of each decade of the rosary, my wife and I have over the years have said, uh, Mary, with these beads, I bind my children to your immaculate heart. I trust those words. I trust in Mary. I believe that they are bound in her heart. Those beads do bind them to her. Now, is there a little, is there a little uh, leash effect with the rosary where, in a sense, it has a little bit of length to it? Yeah, it does. So they can go this far, and that's it. And God's permitting them to go that far, and I'm okay with that. But Mary, with these beads, I bind my children to your immaculate heart. Now, if some of you are older, I mean, by the grace of God, my wife and I have been praying that since, since the girls were, were born. But you're thinking, oh my gosh, I wish I had been praying that forever. Start right now. Remember, God exists in the eternal now. There is no past. There is no future. Pray now. But my, you don't understand. My children are like really old. They have children. It doesn't matter. If you make that change that of, of your behavior now, you start praying for, their, for them to be bound to Mary's heart right now, it'll have its effect in time. And you'll start to see things fall away. Chains fall away from them. And you'll start to see changes in their hearts, in their minds, in their bodies, in their lives. And all of a sudden, it'll start with a simple, hey, mom, do you mind if, or mom, would you say a prayer for me? Or would you, who knows how it's going to start? And my only last piece of advice is when it does start, don't smirk. Okay. <laughs> don't smirk. Just praise God. Uh, that should be the only thing that comes out of you is praise God, and silently probably at that, at that point. 
But again, 10 things you can do to bring, no soul is gonna be left behind except if they absolutely choose to. Your children, your, your spouse, your loved ones, do not choose this. They just don't understand right now. God's got this, give it back to him. Look over those 10 steps. Email me again if you need to. You can see me downstairs, I can give you my email address, whatever. Uh, and I'm happy to send these to you so that have, you have them as a reminder. Pick one or two that, you, that kind of spoke to you and focus on those and, and watch truly miracles happen in your life. Okay? And so Mary, with these beads, we bind our children and our loved ones to your heart. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.